Hello, friends, and welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. My name is Lance Bain. Good to have you with me again on episode 162 of our little podcast designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming life's everyday challenges. <laughs> I hope you're having a good week. And uh, I'm doing better. It's still a little bit of congestion, but man, I feel better. Hope you're feeling good. And if you want to know more uh, about me, check out LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. Many resources there. You can learn more about me as well. And it's a place where you can email me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get some topics from you on what would be helpful to talk about in our little time together on Extraordinary Lives, Ordinary People, this podcast where putting together each week to help us be healthy leaders. I think that's one of the great goals that I have is that I can help us be healthy people, and therefore we will be and can be healthy leaders. As always, if you're wherever you may be listening, would love for you to leave a review and leave a rating and share this with your friends. I would really, really appreciate it. You know, I'm involved in a, currently, I'm in a week seven of an eight-week leadership course that I'm taking online, and I really enjoyed it. And really the heart of it so far around the six weeks has been about servant leadership. We've covered a couple of other topics around confrontation and around some other core ideas around leadership, but the primary focus has been on servant leadership. And what we've done in this uh, course so far is we've had three books to read and a number of videos to watch and some small papers to write. One of the books that we have been engaged in is called The Truth About Leadership, The No Fads, Heart of the Matter Facts That You Need to Know by James Coos and Barry Posner. And today, I want to pull some thoughts from this book and share with you about leadership. You know, one of the things that I admire that the authors articulate in this book, and I feel it each week when I produce this podcast, because I try to come up with something sometimes witty and new and creative and I love what they said in the book because the authors say some things about leadership don't change. <laughs> I kind of like, yes, I'm glad someone with research and someone that I think is more credible in, in their research and in their uh, expansiveness when it comes to the subject of leadership is saying that. I feel that a lot. I feel like leadership are some basic practices on Pete and repeat, you know, just get like playing your same song, your favorite song over and over and over. Leadership is sort of just repeating these same practices over and over and over and what makes it come alive and so so, so much fun and so powerful and, and full of so much opportunity is the people and the circumstances that we engage in. And, and I love this, that some things about leadership don't change. Well, let me tell you what does change. People change. <laughs> circumstances change. And uh, my good friend, Lawrence Babin, who's a, a wonderful real estate, award-winning real estate agent in Austin, Texas, and construction company, and, and pastor and leader, he says, repetition is the price of knowledge. I love that. Repetition is the price of knowledge. And oftentimes, leadership is just about repeating the same practices consistently over and over and over. 
and what I've learned in 30 years of leadership, and, and I wonder if I could get a yes, that's true on your side, the listener, is this, the hardest person to lead is myself. <laughs> I'm the hardest person to lead. I'm always changing stuff going on in my heart, my mind, my, my circumstances, what's happening in the organization I'm leading. And, and, and I have to remember that some things about leadership just don't change. But people change, and circumstances change, and seasons of life change. And so the application, while leadership may be consistent in its practices, often its application will vary from season to season, person to person, circumstance to circumstance. And I I say that because I want you as a leader to be a healthy leader, to be a healthy person, to... It's fine. Keep up with the latest fads and read the latest books and stay up to date with the latest podcasts and articles and all of the stuff that's trafficking out there on the information superhighway. That's fine. Keep up with it all. But don't allow ourselves. You don't allow yourself. I don't want to allow myself to get seduced into thinking that leadership is a stringing together of fads. Leadership is about people, and the core reality of everybody's the same. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to grow. We want to develop. And this is really, really important in the area of leadership. And so when I talk about leadership today specifically, I'm going to talk about leaders, and I'm going to talk about their ability to love. That's right. I mentioned love, leaders' ability to love. Years ago, golly, this was in the late 90s, I went to a, an event with some friends, and we went to this very large, successful organization at the time, and there were a series of workshops and breakouts, and one of them was on uh, the heart of a leader, and it was all about love-based leadership. And I got to be honest, that concept felt so foreign to me, because oftentimes I think about leadership as behavior and not about an issue of the heart. And so what do we mean when we talk about loving leaders and a loving heart? You know, Kuz and Posner mention again in their book, The Truth About Leadership, the no fads, heart of the matter facts that you need to know. They mention that in their research and in the research that they've been looking at, they learn that the highest performing managers and leaders are the most open and the most caring. Isn't that interesting? That in the research, the research backs up that the most loving leaders, the most open leaders, the most caring leaders and managers are the highest performing leaders and managers. And I believe because a loving environment, loving leaders, loving managers, it more easily produces an environment of trust. I love it because it more easily produces an environment of innovation and risk-taking. And so let me share with you just some thoughts that I've learned over the years about being more of a loving leader and not just the practical application of leadership, time management, priority management, decision management, delegation, uh, motivation, values, casting vision, you know, all of these kinds of ideas. But let me talk about love. Leaders are lovers. Leaders need to be lovers. You need to love the people you lead. It's so important that you love those you lead. And 
they'll feel it. They'll know it. I mean, depending on the size of your organization, whether it's a small home group of, you know, half a dozen people, or maybe your organization is dozens and dozens of employees, and many of them you don't interact with personally, the kind of decisions you make, the kind of values you put in place, the way you communicate, what people experience from you can be very loving. And it's very important, critical, I would say, that you love those that you lead. And it's also important that you love what you do. (laughs) You know, you may not love everything you do, and there may be parts of your job that, you know, you kind of grit your teeth and, and you dread a little bit. But for the most part, it's important that you love what you do. You know this, and and we know this, don't we, that when you love what you do, you come to work with a little more energy. You don't mind staying early. You don't mind staying late. You don't mind uh, putting in the extra effort. You don't even mind a little more of the difficult conversations because there's there's a love and an investment and an ownership and a real affection that you have for an organization's success, for people's success. And so love those that you lead and love what you do. You know, love also not only can impact your organization, can impact you, but love also creates opportunities for others. You know, love wants to see people succeed. When I think about this, I often reflect upon my older children. My oldest son will be 29 next month, and my daughter will be 28 next month. And I have a 16-year-old son that will be 17 later this year. And when I think about the three of them, I think about how my love in the early days of their life was a lot about protection and providing, and it still is in many ways true to protect and to provide for them, but for for particularly my two older kids, it's a lot about just celebrating their opportunities, and it was a lot about creating opportunities. Even today, I was taking my 16-year-old over to meet a friend, and I said, you know, hey, I've been thinking about maybe beginning to teach you how to drive, would you like that? And I, I interpreted his head nodding to be quite uh, uh, rapid, like, absolutely, Dad. It was a very passionate up and down head nod. I want to do that. And it's about creating opportunities. Because I love him, I know that this is going to be needed. And how do I create this opportunity for him to safely engage something that's going to be really critical for him moving forward? This is what loving leaders do. We create opportunities for what people need to know, what people want to know for the opportunities and experiences that people need to have. It's important when you are a loving leader that you give some thought and some attention and some foresight to that. What are the opportunities that you can create for other people? Love is also a very powerful motivator. It's a very powerful motivator. I often think about how can I love my team well, not just individually with their unique love languages and unique personalities and histories and gift sets and values, Also, how do I love them collectively? And it's important to take time to think about because when my team feels loved, they don't think about wanting to leave anywhere. They don't regret the extra hours that I ask them to put in. They don't even sort of balk at the demands that I might place upon them because it's a loving environment and it feels good and it feels healthy and it feels full of trust and and opportunity and growth and stuff's actually happening. Like things are really moving forward because leaders are committing to love one another. Let me share with you a few other ideas about leaders who love, and hopefully these will spur some thinking on for you.
loving leaders also create a servant posture. Servanthood, as I said earlier, in this leadership course I'm taking is a primary theme so far in the six weeks that we've been studying and reading. And love really wants to take the heart of a, of a servant. It takes the posture of a servant. As a follower of Jesus, I'm often uh, drawn back to John chapter 13, when Jesus begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, you may or may not be a follower of Jesus, and particularly if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is still a very powerful example of leadership. Uh, Jesus would have been a guest in this house. He would have been a, an important person. He was the teacher. He was the leader. And simply, leaders don't wash the feet of others. Uh, they typically have their feet washed by servants. But in this situation, Jesus took the heart of a servant. He took the posture of a servant. He role modeled the behavior of a servant, and he washed the feet of his disciples. This is a powerful picture of what servant leadership looks like. And it says in the early part of this chapter in John 13 that Jesus was going to show them the full measure of his love. Now that creates a question. Was the full measure of his love in that moment simply washing their feet? Or is that statement, the full measure of his love, speaking to what would happen in the next day or two, which is his crucifixion? I think it applies to both. And this is the idea of servant leadership, that you're willing to do things for other people that even may be difficult for them to receive, and it's a canonic love. The idea of Jesus is that it is a self-giving love. I'm giving away my love. I'm emptying myself of my love for the betterment of others, the heart of a servant leaders. And loving leaders create the servant posture, and not only you, but it inspires other people to do the same. Love also allows failure to be a place of learning. Love does not allow failure to be fatal. You know, love also believes the best about others without ignoring the worst. That is so important. It's a celebration-based loving leadership. You believe the best about others, and you talk about when great moments and celebrate moments with others, but you don't ignore those growth moments, and you don't ignore those areas that need our attention. <laughs> loving leaders are such powerful leaders. And I just want to remind you of what Kuz and Posner point out in their book, The Truth About Leadership, the no fads, heart of the matter facts that you need to know. Research says that the most, the highest performing leaders are the most open and the most caring. The highest performing leaders are the most open and the most caring. If you're in leadership, there's a part of it because you want to be a high performer. You want to get things done. You want to see things move forward. And my encouragement to you today is to really take some time to think about your own love, your own ability to love others, and to love what you do, to love creating opportunities for others that, that allows for a real powerful and palatable motivation of love within your ministry, your church, your organization, your small group, and to know that love is going to inspire you to take the servant posture and to cover failure so that failure is learning. It's not fatal. You allow risk-taking and you encourage risk-taking, and love's going to believe the best without ignoring the worst. Now, let me talk about for a moment um, some real important um, maybe action steps for you to take regarding this idea of being a loving leader. Most of us, 
uh, a lot of us have come with uh, real pain in our past. Maybe it was divorced parents or some sort of abuse or neglect or a performance-oriented or shame-based culture. And a lot of us come from these kind of environments. And so, you know, we want to love, we want to be loved, but there is a, a bit of dysfunction that can be associated with that. What's important for you is this sort of first action step, is to consider, do I need healing? Do I need to see a counselor? Do I need to see a therapist? Do I need to forgive somebody? Do I need to receive forgiveness? <laughs> Maybe you need to forgive yourself. I believe to be the kind of loving leader that is possible, you need to experience a, a dimension of healing, because without healing, we can lead out of our pain. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting leaders hurt people. And I don't want you to be a hurting leader. I want you to be a healed leader. I want you to be a healthy and whole leader. And so consider, is your capacity to love others diminished because of some sort of pain that's been undealt with in your life? Secondly, the second action step is once you know you need healing and you can begin to take those steps and live that out and experience healing and be made whole, is learn to receive love. I can't tell you how many times in my organization over 30 years that it's difficult for people to receive love. They're very quick to give. They're often, uh, it's more difficult for people to receive. And I think it's because receiving requires humility and it requires an admission of need. And it's a certain posture of vulnerability. And it's important for you and I to receive love. What does that look like? Oftentimes for me, it's simply just saying, thank you. Thank you for the way you loved me. Just today, I sent a text to a person in my organization who supplied my family with a meal last night at no cost, just dropped it off, and it was a a delicious meal. And so I texted them today, thank you for the way you love my family. Sometimes it's just as simple as saying thank you and receiving that love. And thirdly, give love. It's the action step. Give love away. Make sure people know that you're caring and that you're loving. Maybe you want to do a love languages assessment and find out what more specifically are the love languages of those that you lead. So to the words of affirmation people, you're very good about that. To the acts of service people, you're a little more attentive to that. To the time people, you're a little more attentive to them. To the physical touch people, when it's appropriate, you're a little more attentive to that. And to the, what's that fifth love language? See, it just gives people. <laughs> to the gives people, you're more attentive to that as well. So love-based leadership, my friends, it, um, that's the highest performing leaders are the most open and most caring. And, you know, some things about leadership just don't change. Whatever fads are coming down, whatever hybrid, remote, online, Zoom this, do that, whatever, it comes down to people want to be loved and people want to love. And work is a place at which you can rally around a common cause and express your talents and your training in a loving environment and really make the world, to make industry, to make um um, ideas, to, to make uh, components, to, to create things that are just going to make the world a better place, and you do that in a loving environment. So, you know, just consider this idea of what it means to love others well and be a loving leader this week. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening. I love you. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen again this week. I pray and hope that you find some creative ways to appropriately and in a healthy and uh, within the boundaries way, love those that you lead. Don't forget to share this with your friends. Hope you have an amazing week. Stay healthy. 
stay hopeful, and I'll talk to you again next week.